Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Kinga Phillips. Before we get to Kinga, I want to give a few announcements, and that is the website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. You can see stories that I've written. You can see photos of the guests. You can see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to the guests' social media, and you can see links to our social media. And by that, I mean, of course... Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There are links to our Facebook page. There are links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe. And if you're on those formats, I ask you, as always, to please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show by boosting our presence. And that's always a cool thing to do. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. If you want to write me, maybe you think you'd be good for the show. Maybe you think uh, somebody else you know would be good for the show. Write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Dot com. Okay, Kinga Phillips. Now, she's a person that I can't believe I hadn't met years ago. We know a ton of the same people. We have the same hosting agent for probably a dozen years or so, and uh, never even ran into each other in the office or anything. So it was great to finally meet her face-to-face. You might recognize her from a lot of the shows she's done for Travel Channel, Nat Geo, and a lot of other places. Turns out we had a lot in common, not only as TV hosts, but also in our love of scuba diving, our love of food, and our love of promoting travel around the world. It was great to finally meet her and find out what she's doing now. She's doing a lot. And all in all, it was great to meet her, and I can't believe it took this long to get her on the show. So I want to get right to it because we talked about a lot of stuff. Please enjoy my conversation with travel host extraordinaire, Kinga Phillips. It's good to be king. To be there in velvet, yeah, to give him a smile. It's good to get Okay, Kinga Phillips. Did oh, I say that right, Kinga? You, you did. You even got Phillips right. <laughs> that one, two L's or a one? It's one L, two P's, and the real last name is Spakevich, which is unpronounceable, which is why wow. Phillips. Sounds very Slavic. Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia? Polska. Oh, well, I'm from Chicago, so... Second largest population of Poles after Warsaw. Yes. When I went to Poland and told people I was from Chicago, they went, oh, my cousin, my brother lives... Everybody knew somebody. 100%. Everybody knew somebody. The, um, so Kinga, explain Kinga. Kinga was a Hungarian princess who went to Poland, became a queen, dropped her ring into the earth to uncover a salt mine, essentially bringing salt to Poland. And then now there's this beautiful salt mine with a chapel to her because she then became a saint after she passed called Bielichka. So she was a princess, a queen, and a saint, a reputation I will never live up to, but I really like it. <laughs> so did you, you're not from Chicago, are you? No, I was born in Warsaw, Poland. Wow, the yeah, old country. The old country. So you're hardcore. Can you speak it? I can actually. Okay. Yeah. My dad's Fluent. name was really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad's name was Stan. Ah. Oh, Stanislav. Yeah, he didn't want anybody to call him uh, Stash. 
Stash, growing up. Yeah. yeah. No, that was a, he hated it. Hated it. That's a cute nickname for Stan. Yeah, Stash. I, know, I thought it was so too, but he hated it. So my grandmother was family was Polish. Oh, you know yeah. the Polish Russian. You know the Jews. You know they they were chased out of all those countries. Well, the border slipped so many times. We're all <laughs> yeah. Polish. We're all Russian. We're all little German. We're all little this and a little that. So you came over at what age? I was five years old and I came over and I didn't speak any English. Oh wow! So this this is my second language. Well, you're doing great. Thanks. It's like yeah, I don't even notice. Where where did you grow up then? Well, this is random. We came from Warsaw, Poland. My dad was part of the Solidarity Movement with Lech Wałęsa, mm-hmm. and we came over in '81 and landed in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. As one does, so, sure. As, of course, the you natural saw it in progression. The brochure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this looks beautiful. Bartlesville, coyotes and snapping turtles. Let's Why go. there? Was there a military base there? My dad's a geologist, and he oh. was doing work for groundwater and oil with a company there. So that's that's how we landed, and then grew up there, went to Oklahoma State University, and then made my way westward. So Warsaw, Bartlesville, Los Angeles, <laughs> clearly. OSU. Oklahoma the, State, The Cowboys. Yeah. Is that uh, right. Stillwater? Yeah. See, it's pretty good. Yeah, Pistol Pete and Sonic Drive-In, <laughs> claims to fame. I can't believe you, uh, you but you got out. I did. I did get out, packed up my little Toyota Camry back in the day and drove out to LA and looked for Walmarts to my great disappointment. Target had taken (laughs) over here. That's what everyone from the Midwest looks for is Walmarts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so was it always going to be, because you're a beach person, no, if you don't know who King is, she's a very successful uh, television host and travel journalist. And we just found out that we had the same agent for many, many years. Many years. Many years. Um, Okay. Well, Give us the overview of your career and tell us what would we know you from? What, what were your most recognizable things that you've done? I would say that the most recognizable are probably probably because the fans of kind of the sci-fi genre are very, very rabid in a good way. Um, so Sci-Fi's Legend Quest was a big one. I really enjoyed that. We traveled all over the world for two months, hopping around from Ethiopia to Peru to <laughs> Austria to Jordan to Israel. It was phenomenal. We didn't know which way was up. Uh, National Geographic's America's Lost Treasures was a lot of fun. And then I've done several projects for Travel Channel, Real, um, The Wild Side with King of Phillips, a couple other ones. And it's probably the first time I get to mention this, the Ink has just dried on a new show called Off the Map with a J.J. Kelly who is phenomenal and uh, we're going into pre-production on that in March. And what is the... What's the theme? What's the hook for this one? Mysteries. <gasps> Mysteries that you have probably heard of at some point. They have not been solved. And here we come with new evidence that something different happened than what everyone has thought of previously. And we are going to investigate the hell out of that. And that's in, on Travel Channel. Travel Channel. Wow. Yeah. Who's J.J. Kelly? J.J. Kelly is um, an executive producer for a lot of uh, National Geographic Explorer. He has also started hosting some of the Explorer series. And he did the pilot for this show and then they wanted to bring in a female co-host and I got a call and went oh heck yeah guys this sounds oh, cool wow. met JJ he's probably the nicest person I've ever met in my life um, I hate him already for taking I'm my right. job I mean the it's nicest to, supposed man to be me. that should be you but JJ is a great backup let's get our, let's get our agents on the phone <laughs> 
Well, that's great. When when really can we fun. see that? I don't know yet. It, oh, I mean, just... literally, the ink just dried. Okay, like let's... we got the call, the green light call yesterday. So we're gonna hold on. Let me lean forward. Yeah, Lena, you grab it. You knocked it. Okay, good. Yeah, so it's fun. So there's that, and then there's the documentary series Enslaved for Epics that I've been working on for the last year, and we're going to continue on this year. And that one is um, discovering the wrecks of slave trip, uh, slave ships to tell the story of the transatlantic slave trade through a new lens. Lots oh of gosh. diving there. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that later because yeah. I'm a diver. Uh, but my one HGTV story, when I was hosting a show called If, uh, if Walls Could Talk, we'd go around the country, talk about the history of old homes and that kind of stuff. And so we would go that. to a lot of um, older houses in the South. Some of them had slave quarters still in the back, you wow. know, still. And uh, we got a note from the network saying, could you not use the word slave? What word it's would depressing. they like for exactly. you to use instead? <laughs> exactly. What? Oh, it's a bummer? Is, oh, yeah. that's... Uh, Those really nice people held against their will. Yeah. Any way you slice so that, it's, like, it's a piece it's of a, history. Yeah. You just got to tell the story. It's like, well, they weren't yeah. being paid, really. Come on. You know, so it's interesting that, was, that you say oh. that, actually, because a lot of... Um, nations, a lot of um, individuals, a lot of governments don't, with my experience with this documentary series we're working on, is that a lot of people don't really want us digging up that part of history. Of course. And they're embarrassed of it, as they should be, but I think but you the have right to acknowledge thing to do, that it happened. You have to acknowledge that it happened to make sure that nothing like that ever happens again, because as we know, history tends to repeat itself. And you can't just sweep the dark stuff under the rug. You gotta tell the story. Yeah. And, and that's why we're doing this from this perspective of the diving of the slave ships and it's it's been phenomenal actually i will say that about having gone through germany and uh, going to auschwitz and, and poland yeah and all this stuff that uh, that germany is, is pretty good about like keeping the history there and acknowledging that this happened and having a tasteful uh monuments to it and that kind of stuff i agree and they're conscious of it as opposed to other countries who really just pretended like it didn't happen and we're not Naming names, Austria, yeah. Austria <laughs> Japan, Switzerland. Anyway, uh, America. Um, yeah. So I think about that now. I wrote something about they found some huge slave um, cemetery in like Sugarland, Texas. Oh, really? That they didn't know existed, and people were just like basically want to pave it over. And it's like, no, but these are the same kind of people that would fight to have the Confederate monument not be torn down because that's yeah. a vital part of our history. Well, this is a pretty big part of your history. It really is. And yeah, but you want to forget this stuff, but why are you glorifying this part? It's, yeah. 100%. We choose what we want. Yeah. History has rose-colored glasses, right? Yeah. I know. It's always been pretty and shiny, and we've always been nice to everybody. Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, so now I'm excited about this show. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, let's get you back from Oklahoma to L.A. What were your first jobs in L.A.? Oh, my gosh. Actually, I well, I, I like everyone else, I was an extra on TV shows because I'm like, oh, this is how you break into the industry. <laughs> and you get you free get that food. Oh, that's how I got my SAG card. It was yeah. great. Um, probably the best first job I ever had. And and I I guess um, in in kind of foreshadowing, it was a pilot for the Travel Channel, which did not get picked up. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Travel Channel. Uh, but it was called E-Travelers. And I was this 
23-year-old kid, and I was sharing a studio apartment with another girl, and the woman who owned the apartment refused to move her furniture out, so we slept on her couches. We were splitting $600, so 300 bucks each. We were poor as dirt. I was an extra on TV shows, ate from the 99-cent store, <laughs> and I got on this not-paid pilot to Kauai. And I thought I was Angelina Jolie. I mean, not we, paid pilot. It was it was unpaid. It was basically like what we would nowadays call a sizzle reel. Oh, okay. But it was a but full it wasn't your pilot reel. episode. It no. was for somebody else. And I I signed up for it through Backstage West. Remember that magazine oh, yeah. where you actually mailed on in on the, on the back page, page yeah. where you mail in your headshots. That. God, that was expensive. Did that in the recycler? Oh yes, exactly. It's how we got our jobs. Now we're showing our age here. A hundred percent. And Thomas Guide. <laughs> Thomas I would Guide. Get to auditions. I still found mine when I moved. Oh, I was like, oh, the Thomas Guide. Mine disintegrated. <laughs> I used the hell out of that thing. Yeah, A one. Mm-hmm. That's where I need to go. But these guys hired me. I'm still friends with them to this day. And we flew out to Kauai. And I remember they put us up. They had all these. I don't know how these guys did it. They were genius. Like we had our flights taken care of by Hawaiian Airlines. The Princeville Resort in Kauai, you know, took care of us. And I. Walked into my room and there was a note that said, Welcome, Miss Phillips. And I was like, Oh my God, I've made it. I made it. You guys have made it. This is amazing. And just had had the best time for a week and a half scuba diving, saw my first sea turtle, hang gliding. I mean, it was it was the coolest gig ever. So did that so you you came out with not really having like a travel focus. It was more like just Making it in TV or something? You know, it, it was travel-oriented because my degree, I had seven majors in college because I really couldn't decide what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. I wanted to be quantum leap. How I was like, years, I want to do it all. How many years were you there? Four and a half. Which You is, had seven majors in four and a half years? I had really, really good guidance counselors and teachers, wow. which I think probably swept some requirements under okay. the rug. To be fair, I still keep in touch with some of them. My, my journalism professors, lovely, and reposts all my stories on Facebook. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, so I came out with a journalism degree and back in the day, I, all I wanted was to work for National Geographic and I had written them a letter once and they basically wrote back, which was lovely and kind of said something to the equivalent of stay in school, kid, come find us later. So I did. <laughs> and I had a show, which is great. Uh, cried when they took my publicity photo in, in you know, in the, the yellow. yellow. Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat. But so it was always, it was always journalism focused and specifically in the travel genre. But of course you got to get your way there. You got to, you got to earn that. And I did everything from being an intern at entertainment tonight. I did car shows. I, I mean, I did, I did food shows. I was on the food network and which was great. They were all amazing. I did so much red carpet stuff, which I was terrible at because I hated doing red carpet stuff. It drove me crazy because there are so many people who are so blahs. And you know what my thing was guys who would wear their sunglasses on the red carpet. I refused. I refused. I didn't care who they were. I refused to interview them. Like, you were not that cool and it's not that bright. Take off your freaking glasses, dude. I, I had to do it with TBS with the SAG Awards because they aired the SAG Awards and I had to do it. I just hated it. I almost got into a fight with like a Chilean film <laughs> guy, because his crew, because he was just pushing me. You know, you, they would X off these boxes with tape. Oh, yeah. And we all had to stand in our little boxes on the other side of the, uh, the rope. And this guy was shoving me out of the way just to get some shot of some God knows who. And I was just after after an hour of it, I was like, "Hey, man, I just we got we got into it." I'm it's, like, "I'm gonna get what am I gonna fight here in my tuxedo?" It's Lord I'm of the Flies out there. It, it is, and I didn't care about any of it. 
you know, we should actually, we should write a show, a sitcom about the, the people who go out and do interviews on the red carpet, honestly, yeah. because it is Lord of the Flies and it is such a pecking order and it is, you know, the Entertainment Tonight's and the Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood reporters like get the top knot and yeah, then they get their they tent. Trickle, they and get I'm the out, tent. I was baking in the sun and just, I hated it. Oh, I was in a suit. Oh, oh awful. So fun. It'd be, it'd be like Anchorman, the red carpet version. Yeah, very Jiminy Glick. Yeah. All those types. So, okay. So you get this first tra- uh, travel thing. I did. Uh, it was great. So did the Kauai thing? Did that? I mean, you must have got good tape out of it. I would well, say, and that must have helped. It was you. good back then. I've seen that tape since, oh, and you right. know, you. I'm sure you've seen your first tape, and <laughs> it's like me with the hands and and not knowing what to do with myself. Hi, I'm Kinga Phillips here in Kauai, and it's really beautiful. And you extend <laughs> your arm out to show everyone that there is beauty behind you. It oh, was, yeah. it was very bad. It was classic, classic initial hosting, but that definitely, um, that definitely put a taste in my mouth for that type of travel. And my family, like we grew up traveling. My dad is a geologist. My mom is a farmer pharmacist but a botanist knows the latin name for every plant like we moved here from poland to oklahoma my dad would pull over and take photos of me with roadkill because he was such a scientist that he needed me for size comparison and the only way you could see these animals like coyotes and snapping turtles was dead on the side of the road so (laughs) it was always in my head that that travel and culture and wildlife and you know just the beauty of nature was was a massive part of my life and i always wanted it to be that so i think it was a natural progression for my career to go in that direction. We have a lot of similarities. In fact, my parents were scientists. Yeah, my parents were scientists, actually. My mom, uh, they're PhDs. Oh, my dad, too. My my mom got her PhD in botany as well. But she taught at a medical school in Chicago and did like uh, clinical... She was a clinical chemist, basically. So she's taught immunology and... and, uh, did like cancer and AIDS research and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's hard to live up to when you're telling jokes at the Chuckle Barn in Toledo. (laughs) Chuckle Barn is a good place. Yeah, Don't knock good. it. Yeah, we. Yeah, hey, it got me through. Got me through. <laughs> got me here. Um, yeah, so that's cool. So, did, were your parents? Did they dive as well? When did the scuba diving come in? This, you know, I had a boyfriend when I first moved here. As uh, one does. As one does. His name was Justin. He was a lovely man. And he was a scuba instructor. And I remember he took me out to uh, to Catalina to Casino Point and certified oh, me in scuba there. diving. Yeah. It's freezing. It's, well, it's, I and go I out there all the time now. And cra- it's you, really, really cold. Yeah. Especially this time it of year. It wasn't as fun. It is cold. It's more fun, honestly. I've I've transitioned. I still do a lot of scuba diving, mostly for work, but I've definitely transitioned towards free diving, which I love now. And now, courtesy of of Mark, my boyfriend, more spear fishing, which is also super fun. But in addition to just the magic of free diving and you doing it on your own breath and the silence of it, the wetsuits are infinitely better and keep you oh, yeah. so much warmer because of the open cell ones. Okay, so. How long can you hold your breath now? Static, um, over three minutes, probably three and a half. The static means just static staying means, still at the top. Yes, exactly. So static means basically you, put your, you float and yeah. you're not moving because when you do active, you're burning through more oxygen. So, and the deeper you go. You're and good. the deeper you go, of course. So underwater, I mean, probably just under two minutes. Think wow. like a minute 38. And we're always trying to get that up a little bit more. I, I have no desire to be competitive. I have no desire, you know, to go to 300 feet. Oh, like that's, that's nuts. It's nuts. And, and people absolutely do that. But that's competitive free diving. Mine, if I'm at 50 feet where it's beautiful, 
beautiful and the light is filtering through and it, it, I can hunt underwater and I can dive the kelp forest here in California or the tropical waters, which I like so much more because it's yeah. warm. I'm so happy. I love that. What are you hunting down there? Here in, here in, um, and is this kind hunting? Well, so it, it it will bring me to another point, which is kind of the sustainable lifestyle. Mark and I call ourselves huntitarians because okay. we definitely believe I am a carnivore through and through. I am a meat eater. I know we live in Venice. Like there's probably 500 vegans pounding you on the door. You can take the girl out of Oklahoma. Yeah, but yeah, you, you just can't. <laughs> you can't take I, her out of the Walmart. The burger, you can't. <laughs> but I do believe that we have lost our connection to food, the food we eat. You know, people who are like, oh, I love cows. They're so cute. Uh, I would never kill one, but they run to Ralph's and buy themselves burger meat. Okay, yeah. I get it. I think cows are cute too, but there's there's you know a disconnect there. So with spearfishing, we are very conscious of um, taking fish that are in season. We're familiar, obviously, with legal limits, but not only that, fish that are of a breeding size, we avoid. And we only take what we can eat. And what we go after here are mostly um, sheep's head and calico, uh, which are basically kelp bass. And then I have not advanced to blue water hunting yet. But Mark goes after yellowtail and yellowfin mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the sashimi style fishes. Right. There's uh, lobster here as well. I have friends that yeah. do lobster. Yeah. Lobster season right now. It's happening right now. Yeah. Do you do that? You know, I we really haven't. I mean, I see them all the time when I'm down there, but uh, we haven't gone out this season because, you know, it, it's been pouring rain in yeah. California, so we haven't gotten in the water as much as we've wanted to. Plus all the crap flushes out into the ocean. We flew over. We flew up to see my parents in Oxnard yesterday, and from the air, you can see it is like chocolate milk yeah. on the coast of Malibu, and I, I love surfing too. I have not been in the water in probably two months because it is filthy. Yeah. Like the water is just not, not good quality here right now and especially after the fires in malibu all that stuff like (laughs) forget about it no thanks yeah how are you for the fires were you close I was very good. I was very fortunate because I live on the southern end of Malibu. So we were right on the edge of the evacuation zone. I mean, I, and I feel truly blessed because I had now ultimately counted 12 friends lose homes. Oh. This is the worst fires. The Woolsey fire was the worst I've seen in in the 12 years that I've lived in Malibu and the 20 years I've been in LA. So let's get back to uh, the TV. Um, what was the dive show that you did? Say that again. What, the The dive documentary? Yeah. Enslaved. So that oh, is... Oh, the, the Rex. Yes, exactly. So Enslaved is a six-part documentary series for the outlet Epics. Um, Sam Jackson is hosting it for us. He's basically the Charlie to our angels, and we're the team that he sends out to go after these specific reps, Rex and identify them. Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. How many F-bombs does he drop? Uh, Tell you me know, one, please. He, he has not yet, because he's going to come in at the end of the series. <gasps> and he's going to do the voice over and then we're going to do all the pickups with him at the end which is you know tv magic check out the big brain on king uh yeah 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 but uh <laughs> say what again say what say what <laughs> but he's actually a diver Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he was going to get in the water with us, but I just don't think his schedule will allow that. But it, my goal is to get Samuel L. Jackson yeah. in the water at some point. I haven't but, seen him in the water since uh, the big shark movie or whatever it was. <laughs> Blue. Has he only done one? I think, yeah. What was it? What was it? Blue. Ah, oh, it's going to. It was a bad Blue, movie. Blue something. No, yes, it was a bad but, movie that. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great scene because he's given the big speech and then the, oh yeah, and then it grabs him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, was, what was that movie? It was a giant. Oh, the Deep Blue. I don't no, remember. We played it so many times. I introduced it so many times. It was on actually PBS. on recently, and I yeah. and I remember seeing that because I remember I thinking. Huh, so with Sam. most of the wrecks in uh, Caribbean, 
Is that where you? So yes, there are. There are quite a few in the English Channel as well. Sure. Um, I know that there are are also some off of uh, which is in the Caribbean, Costa Rica, Jamaica, and then we'll be spending some time off of Florida as well. So yeah, because the triangular trade obviously went from Portugal and England, and then and then went to the west coast of Africa, and then they would come here to the West Indies, and then they would go back, and that's why there are a lot of wrecks in the English Channel because coming in that oh man. We we were diving there in October, mm-hmm. and you've got one day where it's like beautiful and sunny, and the next day your hotel is shaking because the waves are pounding and Ugh. coming over like the break wall and hitting your hotel. So you kind of never know what you're going to get there. So back in the day, with ships and, and limited navigation, uh, and and you know the Isles of Scilly, the the amount of wrecks that are out there is insane. How cold is that water? Really, 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 really <laughs> yeah. freaking cold. We did dry suits. Oh, you this did dry suits. Okay. I haven't done any time. dry suits though. It's I'm pretty new to dry suits. I've been diving for over 15 years. I'm pretty new to dry suits, but thank God Almighty that I got that certification because the first time I was out there, I was in a wetsuit, and our two tech divers, who are the most badass guys, uh, Rich and Phil, were like, "What are you doing, you crazy girl?" Yeah. They're in dry suits. They would get out with their fleece underneath, and I'm in a wetsuit, like purple in the face, and oh. they're all Brits, and they're the most polite people ever. And on boats, they have tea for you, so yeah. they kept me alive with tea, essentially. <laughs> So can you tease anything of uh, what you've found down there? You know, it, it, I, I don't know if I can really, and it's unfortunate. Once we're off air, I'll tell you okay, some stuff that good. it's really, really cool. But we have, I can say probably that we have discovered some wrecks that have never been seen or um, heard of before. Wow. And that's pretty incredible. And we've, you know, found everything from Manila bracelets, which were these copper bracelets uh, that were used to trade for human lives. Essentially, three of those bracelets would be worth one human life. Life, which when you really think about that, it puts a lot in perspective. Mm. And most of these ships are wooden. So when you go down there, what you're finding is a lot of cannons and um, some other artifacts that, again, I'll, I'll tell you about later. That yeah. are really freaking cool. It's cool, but it, it, underlying it, it's so dark and tragic of like, not only this is the journey, when you see how people were stacked together and crammed into like the hull of a ship, but to have it crash... And now you're chained to people and you're just going to sink like a rock. You can't even save yourself. Well, the, the the whole production of the show, I'd say, is multifaceted because in one sense, you have the adventure and the diving and we have archaeologists and we have research vessels and ROVs and tech divers and it's properly badass and awesome. And you were excited when you find something and when you bring something up, you were super excited. But as soon as you realize that you're excited about it, you feel almost ashamed mm. because you realize that the history history of this location is the graveyard for so many people. And the stories that we hear and the stories that we uncover with these ships are honestly, they're gut-wrenching. I mean, these people would get thrown overboard because it was much easier for the captains to collect insurance on them than to bring ill slaves to shore and try to sell them. So if someone got sick... They would either, you know, die in the hold of the ship, chained to other people who were still living, or they would just throw them overboard. If they ran out of food or water, they would throw them overboard. If a ship hit a rock and was sinking, even in shallow water where it was really easy to rescue people, they would lock them underneath, escape themselves, and leave the slaves to die because, again, it was easier to file an insurance claim rather than risk them escaping. I mean, the the ugliness of human nature knows no bounds, just like the beauty of human nature in other ways knows no bounds. And you really 
you, you, you've, I mean, the juxtaposition of the magic of finding these ships and being honored with the ability to tell the story, which is so powerful is there with, you know, the, the tears and kind of the rage that you hold inside to uh, over what humans have done to each other, the atrocities. Well, it's tough to sell it. I mean, you do have to sell a TV show and it is amazing, but I can see the network's perspective. We're like, Oh, can we not talk about that? part as much i mean have you it's a fine line you gotta it is a fine line i have to say that epics has been wonderful and the team that is producing this has been terrific about really telling a good story and not shying away from anything and that i think is really important so that that makes me incredibly proud to be a part of it and of course it's also just a phenomenal project not just from the storytelling perspective but the experience perspective to be out there you know you get up at five o'clock in the morning you've got three hours by boat to location our tech divers are down at like 320 feet. We're meeting them at their safety stops, waiting to see what they bring back up. It's it's a freaking incredible. It is something about travel, though. It's easy for people to to not know. Uh, I don't know. It takes away a naivete when you see something like that or something in front of you or you go to Auschwitz or something or you see history starting to repeat. I was just in Romania for the same thing. And it was just like you, you hear what happened not even a hundred years ago. And when you start seeing things unfold before you that sound really kind of similar to what you just saw, um, I don't know. It, it's just, it's amazing what human beings can do to other people. It's, and when, when people think, oh, that can never happen. It was like, everybody says that, but you know, it can happen anywhere. Any, anything can happen anywhere. Anything can happen anywhere. Human beings are the worst things that happen to this planet. Oh, man. Tell me about it. I work in conservation, (laughs) too. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that because as divers, you know, I've been diving for 25 years. And there's some parts that I won't go back to just because I'm just going to be heartbroken having seen it 25 years ago. Where have you seen the most kind of like change in terms of, I mean... I would say the Caribbean, honestly. Yeah, the Caribbean. I've, uh, it's, the last dives I've taken there, because I've been you know, going there on ships and stuff, but I've come out and going, well, I don't need to do that again, and at least not here. And it's so disappointing to see, oh. you know, because the contrast between a healthy underwater ecosystem and healthy coral and sharks and rays and, and, you know, just the variety of life that is down there on a healthy reef versus something that has been affected by the human touch mm. is, is truly gut-wrenching. Do you see anywhere that you've been pleasantly surprised going, oh, this one's... Yeah. Still doing okay. You know, we were just down, Mark and I just went down to Panama and we started on the Pacific side and we did um, a spearfishing camp out there, a surfing spearfishing camp, and it was beautiful. And oh. there, the reefs were so healthy. It was truly, truly on the, gorgeous. On the Pacific side. On the Pacific side. And then we hopped over to the San Blas Islands on the Caribbean side. There are 365 islands. Bocas del Toro islands. around there? Bocas del Toro is up north. Yeah. And okay. we heard it was, it, it had gotten pretty touristy and we oh, are yeah. very, very much the off the beaten path folks. So we rented a, um, a sailboat with this lovely captain, Filippo, and he took us around for four days and we went out on the reefs and did a lot of diving and exploring. And I was thrilled to see how healthy the reefs were. Where is your uh, dream dive spot that you haven't been to yet? You know, I have not done any dives in Indo, Indonesia, really? and that's supposed to be some of the best diving in the world. Yeah. Komodo, Palau, Komodo Island. Palau is on my list. Palau is a 
top of my list. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. We'll do it this yeah, year. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. We're going to sell a show. Yeah, let's, let's get a do show. it. We're going to shoot a sizzle. Yeah. I won't sizzle. pay you. <laughs> You've done this before. I won't pay you. I've but... done it many times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Palau, I, I, but I dove in... Um, yeah, the Philippines and Vietnam. Yeah, and Philippines. So you have been to, you've been to, to the Barrier Reef, right? Australia? I have been just south of the Barrier Reef. So uh, we we ended our road trip. We started in Sydney and we went to Kulangata and then we didn't get as far as the Barrier Reef. So, you know- You I, didn't? No. And it's, we had that 10 days. That surprises me. I know. Well, there's a lot of surprising stuff in my travel history because oh, a lot of this jumping, of jumping around very briefly. And there's, there's a level of immersion that I love when I travel that you don't quite get when you travel for shows. But at the same time, you get access to things that you would never see. And so I feel like I have been so many incredible places. The list of places I still want to and need to go is so incredibly long. I, I need like five lifetimes. Where else would we, would we be very surprised that you haven't been? Um, in Africa, I've only been to Ethiopia. Really? Yeah, exactly. So no I, Kenya, no Tanzania. No, no. and that's that's no so Egypt. Far I still haven't been to Egypt. Either. Well, Egypt, we were actually supposed to go to when I was on Sci-Fi's Legend Quest, and we were jumping from Mexico to Egypt, and this was 2011 when, like, you know, everything hit the fan there politically, yeah. and NBC owned Sci-Fi, and they were like, no, 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 we're not, no, 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 we, we can't, we can't ensure that you're not going there. Well, you, so what year was this? 2011. Yeah, yeah, that's when I was there. It was right after the Arab Spring. Oh, really? Okay. And I was in Israel, and I was thinking about going to Egypt, and I couldn't get one definitive answer whether it was safe or not from anybody. Yeah. So one so person would say, Israel. oh, it's fine. The other person would be like, oh, are you nuts? I was like, well, those pyramids have been there for 3,000 years. Maybe it can wait another year or two for me, but I still haven't been. Yeah. Well, that's, we should put that on our list. That's too. on our list. So, on our list. Uh, I did dive in uh, Zanzibar. Oh, did you? There, but that was another disappointment. You know, was I, it? I had read about it. How um, all oh, these amazing fish and whale and sharks, everything you was going to see, and then I saw hardly any fish. Okay, that makes me really sad, yeah, but, but I'm glad you're telling me this yeah. because I had that on my list when we were going to go to pa when we went to Panama. We had a list of probably ten destinations because we booked it all last minute, as people in this business yeah. do. And Zanzibar was at the top of that list. We almost went because I did Kilimanjaro, and then I went there to recover after. <laughs> doing the hike and I said oh, I'm gonna dive and then I went there and I was like am I crazy or is, is there not many fish down here they said no it's been so overfished because there's no regulations then the locals just that was Cambodia and Vietnam when yeah. we were there and we did we actually did a bunch of free diving we didn't even do scuba because it wasn't worth it and it's it's really disappointing to see that because dynamite fishing is still a thing there which mm. you would think oh wow okay that's we should probably know at this point right. that that's a bad idea there's no sustainability with that but it it is and it completely devastates the reefs as you oh. would imagine so in terms of uh, land travel mm -hmm. give me your top places you want to visit that I want to visit. Well, your bucket list. Um, I hate bucket the term list. bucket list, but I'm using it. You know, there's so many places. Honestly, how much time do we have? I I would say. Um, Give me the top three. Okay, uh, New Zealand. <gasps> Beautiful. Mm, but okay, yes, I've I've heard I have friends from there. Morocco. Yeah, still haven't been. It's on mine. Uh, yeah, and I would say I haven't been to Greece. I'd really like to really? do Greece. I went last yeah. year for the first time. Look at you. I'm knocking these off. I'm older you than sure you. You sure are. <laughs> you got to do it sometime. But All right. I went solo, though. 
So I if you love go, solo travel. Yeah, but you got this uh, nice fellow who likes to travel with you. He do, well now, but I was single for five years, and I was I was not the girl who was like I'm going to sit around. I'm going to wait for a nice boy to go with me. I was like, oh, all right. Well, that's Can what we learn. If we wait no? for people to go with, we'll never go. So you'll never go. And I tell my female friends that all the time. Like I got to the point where I would ask. I had a list of people who I would ask, and if they couldn't do it, I was like, you know, I'm going to go. I went mm-hmm. to Alaska by myself, hiked for 20 miles, just oh. you know, saw bears and porcupines, took selfies with bear poop, like. Had the, can't believe I didn't get eaten, come to think of it. But it was such a blast. Went to Mexico by myself. I mean, so my sister and I went to Iceland this past year. I mean, we just... Did you I, free dive the tectonic plates and do that We thing? did, Silfra. Yes, we okay. did. We I, did. I saw some people who just did that. Uh, and that's... You have to... Did you do the dry suit or did you just snorkel it? We did, we did the dry suit because it is really freaking cold. Right. It's some of the cleanest and clearest water you will ever see. I want to do it. It's a spectacular thing. I mean, it's... I would say it's touristy, but there are things that are touristy for a reason. Yeah. And that's one of them. Like, it's one of the only places in the world where you can have that experience and it's, it's worth it, for I sure. I hear Iceland is getting overgrown with... Tourists. Well, Iceland. They're trying to put a brakes on a little. It just can't handle the the number. Well, here's the thing with Iceland. Ecologically, it can't. It can't. And Iceland is a spectacular place. We decided to go when we did. We wanted to go in April because it was before tourist season kicks in in May. And we learned a lot. Actually, there's a a series that I write for Real Clear Life called Off the Beaten Path. And I did a long story on Iceland. And it was fascinating. So one of the biggest problems with Iceland, and I know they're going to correct this because they are such innovative people, but there are no public restaurants rooms almost anywhere. And so it's kind of funny, but it's also really sad because you see all these signs everywhere saying, please don't poop in our yard. And because people are literally pooping in people's front yards in these beautiful places. I mean, one canyon or waterfall in Iceland would be honestly the go-to spot in all of California. Mm -hmm. They are so spectacular, but you get there and like the parking lots are off the grid. There are no trash cans. There are no public restrooms. And because it's gotten so popular, especially because the airlines wow offers, I think we paid $300 round trip, you know, I mean, you pay for your water and everything, but it's inexpensive even though it's a really expensive country. And we did the the van. We rented a van and camped for 13 days and did the entire oh, road. So you're in a van. You got no bathrooms. You are looking for anything you can find. And, you know, it's kind of where do you put the blame? Like people got to people gotta poo. Yeah. But so you might want to build them some bathrooms knowing that, that you know, that this influx of visitors is going to continue. But at the same time, it's so wonderful still because we would go off the grid. We didn't do the Blue Lagoon because we thought it was too touristy. So we would find like the coordinates of the off the grid uh, hot springs and find them and sit in them butt naked by ourselves looking at the northern <laughs> lights it was the best and that video can be found yeah <laughs> hopefully not <laughs> hopefully there's no one filming that <laughs> so okay so it was iceland and where in alaska did you go i did juno i went up to juno oh, i know juno very well i was there every week this summer oh well that that's right yeah pulling in a port there we probably my drank at the that. same bars well, i bet we did i hopped around but- looked for my my favorite my favorite partners in uh, bar hopping when I'm traveling by myself. I always look for the older folks sitting by themselves. Yeah. They have the best freaking stories. <laughs> the best. Interesting crowd that moves up to Alaska. It uh, is an interesting crowd. Yeah, they uh, so you just went on your own. Uh-huh. And you picked Juno why? Well, I picked Juno very randomly. I had I had um, been signed up to go to a bachelorette party in Cabo and I ended up not being able to go because our business sometimes, you know, cancels plans mm-hmm. on us and I had this plane ticket and it was about to expire and I called Alaska Airlines and I said, "Hey, I've got this ticket. It's like 450 bucks. Where can I go?" And the lady was like, "Oh, well, let's see. Um, I can I can send you to Juno." And I was like, "Great." And she goes, 
and she was super cute. She sounded like my mom. She goes, are you going to go by yourself? I went, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go by myself. She goes, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> it was very to cute. To Alaska? I, 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 yeah, you know, yeah, I think she was not concerned. Not going to a ran. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess maybe she thought I would get like carried off by a bald eagle, oh, which, sure. you know, which is likely, sure. you know, what happens. Always They're on happens. every every street sign. I almost wrecked my car the first one I saw. 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, freaking another bald yeah, eagle. They're everywhere. They are uh, everywhere. So was, uh, was your plan to do a long hike or was it you going to drive or were you going to like sightsee? Well, I did a lot of different hikes. I kind of went up with no plan. I just, I just went up there. I booked myself into an Airbnb with this lovely couple who, I knew would would have good information mm-hmm. because that's what all the reviews said. And uh, they did. They gave me like the best hikes to do. And so I, I hiked and hiked and hiked, had so much fun, went out to Mendelhall Glacier, yep. went in the glacier, did uh, the hike to the top of the crest there on the main mountain. And then I, like we started talking before we started rolling, here's this LA girl coming to Alaska. And I was like, uh, Oklahoma girl, Oklahoma, Oklahoma <laughs> slash LA slash Big Polish difference. girl. Yeah. But the freedom that you have in Alaska, you can park anywhere, you can camp anywhere, you can have a bonfire anywhere. The last frontier. The last freaking frontier. And I remember pulling over and I saw someone like roasting marshmallows or a hot dog by the side of the road. And I was like, can you just do that here? And they were like, yeah, dude, it's Alaska. This is great. That was the saying. I tell people this story all the time. My first time up there, I did a club there in like 96 in Anchorage with another guy. And I'd never been there before. But... (laughs) <laughs> he had these stories of like he had been there a bunch of times but their whole saying everything's like it's Alaska man that's it was everything we would go by um, like every road sign had bullet holes shot in it <laughs> like people just drive by and just say yeah just shoot it's Alaska things. man it's Alaska and he said he went up there in the winter once and they were taking like sticks of dynamite small sticks of dynamite and sliding them down the ice and watching them explode and seeing like the reflection of the ice and the shards and the moonlight and everything. He was like, is this kind of illegal and stuff? It's Alaska. Alaska. And then they went on a, like a small plane because everybody had small planes up there and they would just buzz the uh, ski hills like scare the skiers and just all that. And he was like, is this kind of illegal? It's, a, pff, yeah, it's Alaska. Alaska. And that was the saying. There was like no cops around, no nothing. It's like, what do you got to do? To get arrested here. It's Alaska, man. It's Alaska. Yeah. It is. But but you know what's cool about that? Like, I feel like there's a little bit of natural selection at play in places like that, which I like. Because it forces people to have stewardship over themselves. Right. And I've, I've found a couple places like that. And now I feel like I gravitate more towards them. Because it's really refreshing. Alaska being one. The Socorro Islands. Like, scuba diving or scuba diver. Definitely get out there. Now where's the, that again? Socorro is... Um, a, it's actually... I'm going to butcher the name so badly. So if anyone speaks Spanish and listens to this, forgive me. The Rivaglio Archipelago and it's a series of islands that's off the southern coast of Baja California and they are one of the most spectacular places to go diving ever. You want to play with manta rays? Check. Done it. Oh, Whale sharks and schooling Galapagos sharks and some hammerheads in, in the same like sweep of your your eyes through the water. Great. Check. Done it. Dolphins so you, like playing with you. You fly to Baja or Cabo, Cabo and take a boat? And you take the boat. We were on the Solmar 5 and it was a liveaboard Ooh, for well, well, a, I, I think seven days. You definitely got to do it. But that's another place where I, I remember asking my dive master. I'm like, uh, what if something goes wrong? 
And he literally patted me on the shoulder and he goes, don't do anything stupid, kid. Yeah. Like we're literally 13 miles away from the one island where there's an airstrip where a plane may or may not be able to land just during daylight hours. So you do something stupid, you're dead. Yeah, and it's Alaska, on you, really. It's on you, but that's refreshing because I do feel that we live in a world where I do a lot of shark conservation. And I remember Dr. Chris Lowe, amazing shark researcher. And I was with him at Guadalupe with the white sharks and, and talking to him about people and sharks. And he goes, you know, I feel like people nowadays are predator stupid. And I'm like, wow, that's a great term. And I would expand that to say people are nature stupid. People no longer, we're not Davy Crockett anymore. You right. know, we're the guy who commutes from, you know, work in his Tesla and then sits in a cubicle all day and then goes out and has a drink at the bar and then Ubers home. We're, we don't really know what to do with nature, with weather, with the ocean, with big wildlife. You see people in Yellowstone get out and try to take a photograph of yeah. a mother bear with her cub. Like a selfie. Like a selfie. And you get eaten. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Right. Huh? Yeah, or they build uh, their house right in the middle of bear country and wonder why there's bears. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, so you went there. Did you have any run-ins? Speaking of bears, do you have any run-ins? I saw four bears the fir- first day I was there. Okay. Uh, which was great. It was a mother and her cubs, and they were in the distance when I was that hiking. That was in the bar. Hello. That was, that was just on the bar. Hey. And they were in my rental car with me. Mm-hmm. I picked them up. I still have the bear cub. <laughs> I named him Bert, and you know, he's sweet. And then uh, when I was hiking to the glacier, there was bear poop everywhere filled with, it was October, so they were just getting ready for hibernation, eating everything that they could. So there was blueberry-laden bear poop. Mm-hmm. I was so intrigued. I took multiple <laughs> selfies. couple wedding rings. couple of, <laughs> so was, Is that a Wait finger? A wow. Wow. A, a Nike. <laughs> that would be, I should have actually put a ring in it and yeah. taken a photo. Why didn't I think of that? Was You're it? so much more funny than me. Damn it. That's ah, a living. It's a living. But uh, yeah, and then the, the last one that I saw, which this was actually a great story, is ironic. So I saw people doing a bonfire by the side of the road and I was like, this is great. They said, yeah, it's Alaska. You can do it anywhere. So I ran to the store and I bought hot dogs and a bottle of wine and I went out to this one called cove called Sunshine Cove built a bonfire, set some music up, was dancing, having wine, making hot dogs. Then it gets dark. And I'm like, oh, crap. I probably attracted every bear in the region. And I got to hike back through the woods to my car. Mm. So I you know, douse the campfire like any any responsible camper does with water. You don't bury it in the sand because it just makes the coals hotter. <laughs> and then I, I book it over to my car and I'm running through the woods. I'm like, oh, man, get in my car. I'm driving, looking everywhere for bears. And I pull up back to where I was staying in the middle of town. And as I'm pulling back, I'm thinking to myself, I think I'm just going to leave like the rest of the sausage and stuff in the car. I'll be fine. I'll get it tomorrow. And this huge black bear walks out in front of my car and crosses the street. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, there you are. Of course, you're not in the wilderness. You're right here in town. And no, I am not leaving the sausage in the back of my car. Oh, my gosh. Did you? So were you camping? I did not camp. I kind of drew the line. I wanted to go scuba diving and I wanted to go camping. And I kind of drew the line at doing that by myself. Because one, you know, scuba diving by yourself, you can't dive without a buddy. And I didn't have any friends. I was by myself. And two, you know, with the camping, I love camping. And I do a lot of solo camping around California. But camping in grizzly country is just, it would be unpleasant if nothing else. Like any yeah. noise, any pine cone that fell, I would be having a panic no, attack with in my tent. So. I'll hike all day long, yeah. but you know, I don't mind a bed when I get back and possibly yeah. a shower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I'm, I'm in that. agreement. So, okay, so you did Alaska. Uh, you did a lot of diving. Where, uh, what's planned after the show comes out? Is, do you, they think there's going to be another of the 
the enslaved is enslaved it's enslaved I, I you know it's a six part documentary series so i so think who it knows will probably who knows i think this one will probably just be kind of what it is right and a standalone and you know tell a great story show as many of these wrecks as we can and tell the story around them which will be great and then you know the new travel channel show off the map i don't even know where we're going yet i mean this is honestly i off got the, the map g- off the map give me that premise off the map and that is re basically revisiting mysteries with a modern twist so Essentially, there is a mystery you may or may not have heard of, some of the most famous ones, some lesser known ones, and we have just uncovered a new bit of evidence. Well, like a mystery, like uh, like a crime mystery or Sasquatch, um, that kind of mystery? Both. Oh. Both. We just like mysteries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Tell me you don't go to Loch Ness. I would love to go to Loch Ness. That <laughs> okay. was actually on our list for sci-fi, and we didn't make it, it there does. either. Right. I love Scotland. We did Scotland, but we did not go to uh, to Loch Ness. Does it get a little conspiracy theory-ish? Or of, I think uh, everything mystery-oriented has to yeah. have an, an element of a conspiracy theory, because usually, you know, you've got a couple different options of what may or may not have happened in right. this situation, and at least three of those are solid conspiracy theories. And you got to get people to watch after, you know, stick through the commercials yeah. and see how it all ends. Definitely. And you know, these types of shows, like, it's kind of like with Legend Quest. I mean, we were out there looking for uh, the the Solomon's Ring and the Ark of the Covenant and and all that stuff. Are you going to find it? Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Ark of the Covenant is under my bed right now. What? Yeah, yeah. Don't Just look don't right into it. it. Don't It'll look right into it. Melt your face. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that in telling a great story, and a lot of these things are mythology oriented, legend oriented, folklore oriented, all things that I love. Actually, I have um, I, I did a lot of anthropology work in college, and so I love all of that, and I love those types of stories that are passed down, and even more modern stories from a mystery st- standpoint. Whether it's you know looking for a a Jimmy Hoffa's grave or, or you know whatever it is you're looking for, the, I love the human element of being so fascinated with all of that. Mm-hmm. And there are usually people who have come before you to try to discover what it is and where it might have gone, and you know what what the the mystery is. And so you kind of follow those in those footprints and and then you make your own assumptions. It's kind of the scientific method in a way. Yeah. You know, you theorize about things, you put forward a hypothesis well, and then you see what evidence you can you can find. Yes, but one thing you and I have that uh, pretty much all people who are travelers with a capital mm-hmm. T then that love it are is curiosity. And so one sure. thing we all share if if we're not curious about these places, we don't go. And yeah. I always say, you know, when when people go, why don't you travel with so and so? He's got the, you know, he he's got time to go. Why don't you? You guys are friends. I'm going because he's not interested. I, I can't put the curiosity in people. I want people that are begging to come with me. Those are, if I got to talk you into it and sell you to go to some place, then you're not going to be fun to Agreed. travel with. You're going to pick out everything wrong. Agreed. You're going to be miserable. So I'll go myself. Yeah. But I can't. I never understand the people who don't have the curiosity. I understand fear. Of unknown, I understand not having money or whatever, but I don't understand people who aren't but curious. They're not. Of, but right, it, I agree. I have family members who that they're not curious no. at all. No, I'm good. And curiosity is such a wonderful quality trait in people. You know, like yeah. it's it's a conversation starter. It's a character builder. It's a perspective shifter. It's all those things. But I'm with you. I am very particular nowadays about who I choose to travel with. And there are certain people who I love and adore, but I do not want to travel with them because they are just there. I, I also I'm not a high maintenance traveler. I'm not. I'm someone who wants to be off the grid. I'm very low maintenance. I like no, you're to dance with bear poop in the I'm middle of the woods. 
bear poop. You know, that's that's what I do. I like a very immersive style of travel. I mean, nothing against all-inclusive resorts, and I've seen some beautiful ones, but I definitely love the feeling of yeah, being a part us, of the region. We're not all-inclusive people. I'm not, no. You know, there's there's not enough tequila in the world that can convince me to, <laughs> I'll go buy my own tequila somewhere. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, preferably from like a nice little distillery that no one really knows uh-huh. about, like in a region. That's that's the kind of stuff I like to find myself. Yeah. Well, let's get to the, let's get to the fun stories. Your worst uh, flight experience. Oh, my worst flight experience. I have to say, knock on wood again, I have not had any like terrifying, terrible flight experiences. And we did get, we did get um, taken out of uh, Lalabella, Ethiopia on a very small prop plane because there was some political unrest when we were there and NBC didn't like that. And we were like, wow, this is how you become a news story. But I, you know, yeah. I can't even say that was bad. It was beautiful and the pilots are phenomenal. I did a skydive in Aruba for Travel Channel and the pilot looked like he was 20 and the plane looked like it was, it was hand built and it was 100 <laughs> yeah there was a huge discrepancy oh, between the pilot's the age and the plane's age stick plane oh, but, yeah I've been on a few of those there's also you know there's I think a lot of cultural stuff is is quite funny on planes I mean I, we were in Vietnam and the person behind me put their feet through the, the armrests and they had not trimmed their toenails oh, in probably boy. a good 47 years and probably <laughs> had a bit of fungus there so I have a great photo of that and, and you know, some body odor issues of people uh, sitting next to me. But I, I have to say, like, that's all small potatoes. Like, in the world of travel, right. uh, some of those stories are some of my favorites. I, I, They're just funny. I like to laugh. <laughs> I, I like it when something happens that I can tell a great story about. It's, it's par for the course. I still haven't been to Ethiopia. Been wanting to go. It's pretty incredible. It's one of my favorite places. The people are beautiful. The culture is beautiful. The food is great. I was the only one oh, on the crew that food. ate it. I love yeah. the food. Yeah, there's some great places here in L.A. I took Ethiopian Airlines back from Zanzibar. I had to go from Zanzibar to Addis Ababa. Yeah. And then I had to take it all the way back to uh, Lagos, Nigeria. So you've kind of been to Ethiopia. I've been uh, Been in the airport. Yeah, I've been to the airport, but that doesn't count, you know, but... They gave me the offer, the, the option of you can have a uh, an Ethiopian menu or the Western menu. I was like, give me the Ethiopian menu. And it was great. It's fantastic. Well, that's another. I love that about that you. Injera, that, the oh Yeah. That pancake you eat yeah, with everything. Yeah, the spongy the bread sourdough. that mm. sops up all the sauces. It's it, great. It Being like bread. wanting to try. Let me ask you a question. What is the weirdest food you have ever eaten on the road? Oh, well, yeah. We've talked about this uh, on the show a bit, but uh, I did have some insects in um, in Thailand. I had grasshoppers in Mexico. I had guinea pig in, in Peru. Peru. That yeah. was good, right? You try the guinea pig. Yeah, I did It's it a too. lot of work, though. A lot of work for... There's not for much not, meat on those bones. Not a lot of payoff. It's almost like rabbit or something like that. You just... Yeah, it's, uh, but, uh, you know, it was fine. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. I'm, I think I had kudu in Africa and Ooh. crocodile and that kind of stuff. I don't know if I had snake. Did I have snake? Uh, maybe, but, you know, alligator, things like yeah. that. And, yeah, I've tried a bunch of stuff. All right, exotic. Nothing palette. endangered. Nothing endangered. No, I'll eat everything. Yeah, same. I'll have, like street food and yeah, speaking of that, any uh, food poisoning? Anything you know, somewhere? Again, let me knock on wood. India no. took me down. India, uh, d- India well, took me out. India, India is known as an assault on yeah. the senses, it, and it, I think it takes everyone down. I will let you know when I go. Oh, you still haven't me. been? I have not been to oh, India. I know, okay. I know. See, look, like I, I feel like we're listing all the places I haven't been. Top of my list, also. <laughs> Um, I am very fortunate because I'm Polish, and so we have stomachs of steel. As you, you yeah, have but that's that for your... vodka. That's not for well, uh, spice. 
We we also <laughs> they're not known for their spice. I don't feel like spice is what takes people down. I do think, and I'm a huge believer, cleanliness is usually what well, lack hygiene. And- true. So I have I have a couple of um I guess uh, tips of the trade when it comes to oh, especially yes, street please. meat travel tips. like travel tips and tips of the trade to me. I love street meat, and look, you're you're not an idiot. Like you know if food it looks fresh, smells fresh, you know if it's cooked all the way through, right? Great, look for that. Mm. Look for look for some place that's crowded. Like if there are a lot of local people eating it. Now, obviously you do have to be careful with gut bacteria. This is where I'm fortunate because on the menu when I go visit my parents is usually like pig's feet, tongue, uh, any weird meat that you can ever imagine, like uh, all sorts of, all sorts of broths made on blood of this or that and and whatever. My grandmother made borscht. Yeah, I love, see, I love all that. I love all that. So I'm also a kid who plays in the dirt. I mean, I'm always in the ocean, surfing, diving, hiking, camping. I'm clean, but I'm not someone who's going to douse myself with um, Purell Purell all the time. And I avoid antibiotics at all costs. I bring them with me when I travel just because in an emergency, they're great. you think they're taking away your defenses? 100% they are. Like your gut bacteria are really important to to nurture and to keep The body can handle a lot. It sure can if you treat it right, right? So when we did Legend Quest, there was a crew of 13 people. I was the only girl. Most of our crew, some of them were ex-military guys. They were all from Survivor Amazing Race. I think I was the only one who didn't get sick. And the guys, they were just the most badass dudes ever, but they didn't want to touch anything that was out of the ordinary. I mean, they had like granola bars in their bag. And I was like, what's that meat? It's still moving. I'll eat it. And I, I never had a problem. How about the craziest thing you've had? I would, gosh, uh, lots of insects, uh, tarantulas on the side of the road in Cambodia, which uh, spiders are my one big fear. And uh, what I they taste one. Like? Uh, you know, they fry it. So when I know, that's what fried, I tell people. But you could deep fry anything and it's you blindfold me and, and you wouldn't know the difference. It, it, like it could be a French hopper. fry. Yeah, yeah it, you wouldn't really know the difference. Uh, my sister did bite into the abdomen and the egg Ooh. sac oozed down her chin and we all like gagged. It was crazy. And then we did a balut in oh, the Philippines. Yeah, the kind of like um, it's got the, the chicken bones in it. And yeah, the, I think it was a duck egg. It was a fermented duck egg, oh, basically. Yeah, you gotta like shoot it right. You gotta like shoot the whole thing. Uh, at I once. mean, well, you kind of have to chew it because there's bones uh, in there, so you got to get them. So yeah, that was weird. It. And then there's just a, loads of unidentified meats, oh, you know, sure, that I'm yeah. like I'm not really sure what I'm eating here, but it's quite good. Your favorite cuisine, if you had to pick one, you can't say Italy. You know, I, I actually, you know, it's funny is I definitely don't gravitate towards Italian food. You're kidding. I like it, but I've never been a pasta person. It's always I the love, easiest answer. That's yeah. Why it's, most people love it. I feel like an outcast. I love um, Indian food. I love Thai food. Thai, um, yeah, that's my Yeah. Right I, I love Thai. Chalada and Malibu, phenomenal. Um, I, I love Mexican food. Give me guacamole and carnitas. It's fantastic. Yeah, you can't beat it. It's basic, right? But like, but, and it's got to be a hole in the wall. But it's also places that are just, you know, I was just in Mexico City. And, love Mexico uh, City. Their cuisine, I mean, people don't realize how big Mexico is and the region, the cooking around in different regions is very different. Yeah. Like anywhere, like the U.S., like Southern cooking is different than you know New England and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's really varied and amazing. And even chefs around the world agree, like, Mexican cuisine is so varied and so intricate that, you know, it's, Absolutely. It's, it doesn't get the respect because no. people think tacos and oh, that's it. Oh, burrito. Yeah, that's it. Because I've had their version in Europe and around the world of Mexican food and it's the worst. Really? Oh. European burritos, not so good? Awful. Because, you know, what happens is we're from here and we're jonesing for it. If you're gone long enough, you need like a Mexican fix. Yep. When I talk to expats around the world, 
I ask them what they miss most about the U.S., and you, usually one or two in their answer is Mexican food. Oh, yeah. Because you can't get good Mexican food. Like, yeah. even now, I never get it outside of Mexico or the U.S., basically, because it's disappointing, especially in California. We're so spoiled. Oh, so spoiled. That you go other places. Like, I've had it in Germany. Ooh. I've had oh, it in Japan. Yeah. Just because I was gone. In long Japan. Long. But I thought, oh, I went to a nice place. I thought maybe there's but probably... But it can't be nice. There's probably it's one... It's got to be a hole in the wall. Yeah, but you got to have one Mexican guy back there, hopefully, who's been there. And just, no. Awful. Awful. <laughs> what did you get in the Japanese-Mexican restaurant? I can't restaurant? remember. It, it just, like, my go-to is chicken. Usually, it just give me, like, a chicken burrito. But you have it, and it's like, ugh. The salsa's wrong. The the tortilla's wrong. Everything's wrong. Everything's wrong. Oh, the so, salsa. And it's, it's just whether they can get the right spices and peppers or they don't. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, I know this came out of a can. This is old El Paso. I could have put this together myself. Paso. Bad cheddar cheese. I get it. I, You know what I mean? Oh, It's a letdown. So it's always funny. a letdown. You're making me so hungry. You know, I have a, so I have a, I have a Mexican food fetish. I have to say, I love. Um, I just headed the truck right down on the end of my street. Is it still there? I'm starting. Yeah, it's still there. I, I'm, I'm going to go there after we're done. Now that we talked about it. Bean and cheese burritos with carnitas and guacamole. I get them to go, usually Where? by myself. Anywhere in LA, oh, yeah, anytime yeah, yeah. I pass a hole in the wall Mexican spot, we'll never go to a nice one. It has to be a hole in the wall. Or the truck. Or a truck. And then I eat it in my car. And that's just, that's my Mexican that's food LA. fetish. Yeah. I've, I've had near, near misses with like disasters in like white pants. Not oh, near yeah. misses. They were, they were not near misses. <laughs> it was not a miss at all. It was actually a, a It's hit. a victory. Yes. Where I've had to pull over because the bottom of the burrito gave out and oh. then spread itself. Guacamole, salsa and all, all, all over <laughs> me. Yeah. How about uh, your worst, say, any run-ins with police, border, any bribes given or anything? Oh, yes. Oh, and here we go. So there's a piece that we actually did for Current TV back in the day I for um, their Vanguard unit. And we did a piece on Mexican, um, the Mexican City police corruption. And we got there, and it's actually a pretty crazy story because we were doing these wild interviews with people and telling us about their experience with the police and, you know, getting hassled and taken to hotel rooms and being basically interrogated and asked for bribes and really heavy stuff. What part of Mexico? And we're Mexico City. Oh, yeah. We are Mexico City. And as we're there, we are filming and we're filming out of the car. And there are a couple police cars pulled over and they see us and they see that we're filming, which... I've learned since is actually not illegal. And they pull us over and they're like, you can't be filming here. This is, you know, this is legal. This is legal. Turn that camera off. And my camera guy being an absolute genius and a great camera guy just hits the button, but does not turn the camera off, keeps it rolling. And so they proceed to try to get us out of the car and separate us out. And they said, what's on the, we want to see what's on the tape, what's on the tape. And we're like, oh crap, if we roll this back and this is someone talking about how terrible they are, we're there, we're going to have a problem. And they roll it back and it lands on footage of me. And I'm asking, some girl like what's your favorite food Mexico and they look at the footage and they look at me in the back seat and again my genius camera guy goes she's famous in the US and I'm like huh what and the guys look at me pull me out of the car take photos with me and let us go <laughs> so that was that was we also in the Philippines had our passports confiscated and our fixer had to go and take care of that because they wanted a bribe and now when I travel to Mexico and especially when I go by myself or it's just as girls I do a photocopy of my passport I hide my passport like somewhere in the back seat where you can't see it and then I take all the cash out of my wallet I hide that and I just keep 20 bucks in my wallet so that when we get stopped yeah. you open your wallet and all you have is 20 bucks and there's your bribe and they can't take your passport because all you have is a 
copy and there you go. It's unfortunate, but it's, you know, it's something that you learn along the way. Did the Philippines one happen because they knew you were a crew? Yes. Yes. They knew we were a film crew and that means money. And so it was an, it was an obvious attempt to get money out of us. And, but fortunately our fixer was Filipino and was lovely and went and had a conversation with them. And I think there might've been some threats thrown around Mm -hmm. and uh, he got everything back. Have you ever had any occurrences of being followed or anything like creepy dudes? Uh... That's a great question and an important one. I, I really believe as a woman, you can travel safely alone just about anywhere. You have to have common sense. You have to be aware of local customs and traditions. Yeah. I remember landing in an airport and I honestly don't even remember where it was because we, we were upside down for Legend Quest, but it was somewhere in the Middle East and I had a tank top on like this Ooh, no, yeah. and it was a bad move. And immediately I got like mobbed and... by men and it was really uncomfortable and then I realized it was my mistake. Also, I remember being in Rio de Janeiro and my two friends who I was with were ill and I just started wandering the back streets by myself and I kind of wandered into the one of the favelas and I saw the way people were looking at me and I removed myself from that situation quickly. Yeah. And I always tell women, I'm like, trust your yeah, gut. Yeah, you gotta have street smarts. Trust your gut. Like if A, you there's common sense. You gotta do, we live in LA. <laughs> yeah. Like don't, don't In America, walk. you gotta do totally, anywhere. Totally, anywhere. Like parking garage at night, maybe a bad idea. Yeah. Like don't go, don't don't go to bars by yourself. Don't go drinking by yourself. Even when I was in Alaska, I when I pulled over in this one spot where I was going to have a campfire the next day, this guy in this truck pulled over, started chatting me up. He was an older man. Something about him rubbed me the wrong way. And he might have been the nicest guy ever, but yeah. something in my gut, I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, so you're going to have a campfire? You're going to be here tomorrow at this time? And I was like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then I went somewhere I'll else. see you here. Because I didn't want him following me. And there's there's a consciousness in that as a woman traveling solo. Like I don't engage people I don't know. I try not to make eye contact. I don't want to give people the impression that they can talk to me. I don't ever tell anyone where I'm staying, where I'm going next. It's just it's it's and maybe it's it's overcautious, but you know, the alternative uh, is sensible. not good. It's right. sensible. Have you had to like cover your head in yeah. Any some? Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I like, mean sometimes you, what you don't want to do is stick out. Like you just course. don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. I've never had to go full burqa. I've never had to go full <laughs> burqa. I've never had to do places. that. Yeah. But, you know, again, being respectful of culture and your attire sure. and what you You don't wear walk into the mosque wearing a miniskirt. No, I wouldn't even, you know, in Rome, Italy, when you go into the like churches, some people, you wear your shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't got, say it. Come on. I'm I've just, got a I'm kid. I feel like I have a couple drops of Russian blood. So uh, okay, I can, I can yeah. poke at the Russians, oh, but I've had some, nightclub some outfit, stories uh, going oh, into the okay. man. Oh, man alive. <laughs> yeah. There's there's the ugly American stereotype and there's oh, the yeah, ugly they're Russian ta- stereotype. They're taking some heat yeah. off us. In, they are. Thank you for in that, guys. Certain ways, Thank in certain you. ways. Zdrastvoitia. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's new money. They're getting around. <laughs> I'm cutting the first generation a little slack. Exactly. But I'm hoping the, the children will be a little more respectful. <laughs> Culturally appropriate, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, like traveling by yourself, I think you just have to have a good instinct. And you develop that when you travel. Mm-hmm. I know you got to go. And you got to get something to eat. It's a burrito. I got to go yeah, get you gotta burrito, get a burrito down the after we talked it up. Well, first of all, get your plugs in. Like, where can people find you? Give you your websites, uh, well, social networks. Where can people follow you? It's all my name, kingofphillips.com, kingofphillips on Instagram. You know, Real Clear Life. I write the I write two series, the Real Life Laura Croft series about badass women all over the world. What is and the Real Life thing? Real Life Laura Croft series, as I, in all my travels that I've been doing for work and for play, I started meeting all these amazing women and they just, you know, kick ass from free divers, spearfisher women, pilots, mountain climbers, underwater photographers, shark scientists, 
artist. And I was like, wow, why don't people know about you? You're incredible. And so I started writing these series, just profiling these amazing women. So that's on Real Clear Life, the Off the Beaten Path series, like cool destinations that you might have not heard of, um, is on Real Clear Life as well. And then Enslaved and Off on Epics. And then Off the Map is uh, Travel Channel. Well, give us three off-the-beaten path places that uh, you're in danger of ruining right now by telling us. Lalabella, but, Ethiopia, which okay. you mentioned. That's yeah. where the sunken churches are, are, are really spectacular. You know, the most recent one pops to mind, the San Blas Islands off the coast of Pan- Caribbean coast of Panama are, are truly beautiful. And then, you know, one of my favorite destinations is Belize. And when people say, oh, yeah, I've been Belize. I've been to Ambergris Key. I'm like, no, you haven't. Yeah, I went to Key Cocker. Yeah, yeah. And Key Cocker is even better than Ambergris Key. Yeah. But there's Placencia down south which is stunning. There's San Ignacio in the jungles and the, you know, ATM caves where you can get close to incredible Mayan artifacts. Like there are places like any place you go, there's an off the beaten path element. You know, you can go to Tulum or you can go to Isla Halbosh an hour and a half apart from each other. I think, you know, most people haven't heard of Isla Halbosh. Everyone knows that if you want a good yoga retreat and, and a bar, go to Tulum. And that's unfortunate because I was there when it was a taco stand and a stray dog and a Tulum. ruin. Poor Tulum. Yeah, poor Tulum. We were, I was just talking about this with Jeanette Seha. Love her. her. Yeah, and we were saying, we're talking about Tulum, how she loves it, but now it's just, she can see the start of how it's starting to take off a little bit. Yeah. We don't want another Cancun. Nobody no. needs that. No one needs another Cancun. No one. Well, let's talk about before, I know this is a bigger question, but in a brief way, We've seen a lot of changes in travel and like some place will be hot and then it won't be. And Mm -hmm. then when they talk about sustainable travel, there's always something to me, as much as we promote it, I do worry about sustainability and how these places can handle it. And more and more people are traveling than ever, but that's a good and bad thing. So what is it? How do you deal with it? And how do you approach it? And where do you see it going from here on? You know, one of the saddest things I'll tell you from a sustainability standpoint is, um, the single-use plastics problem that we have. And if there's one thing that I can put out there to ask people to do, it's, you know, show up with a water bottle that's refillable. Like, don't... I I know that there are places in the world where you can't drink the water. Great. Get yourself one of the life straws. Get yourself a filter. Do something like that. On the back end of the San Blas Island, which are the the windward side where the currents and the winds hit, we started on on the other side. It was beautiful and pristine. You go to the windward side, and it's honestly calf deep in plastic bottles. In some of the most remote fjords I've ever been to in Iceland where my sister and I pulled over no people. I'm like, what are all these little colored bits on the beach? It's fascinating. I want to see what it is. Oh, it's plastic mm-hmm. coming in from currents from, from Europe. And there's, it, it breaks my heart that in some of the most remote regions where few human footprints have fallen, you are going to find piles and piles of trash. And I think from a sustainability standpoint, that is one of the most important things that we can do as humans is eliminate our use of single-use plastic. People are like, oh no, I recycle. About 9% of the plastics that we use actually get recycled. And now most people don't think about this, but because of all the tariffs with China, China used to take all of our trash and recycle, still a small percentage of it. Now, most of the stuff that used to be recycled doesn't even get recycled. So just don't use it in the first place. As uh, Allison Teal, who- Love Allison, yeah. She was in here saying the same thing. And just like recycling, it's almost like trying to drain your tub by 
with leaving the spigot on. Yeah. There was a great, <laughs> you know I mean? uh, on Instagram, there was a fantastic quote and it said, if you came in and your bathtub was flooding, would your first act be to get a mop or to turn off the faucet? Turn off the freaking faucet. And that's what we have to do with plastic. Like you're not going to mop it up. We can't, mm-hmm. we can't fix it. It stays forever. So you, oh, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm going to do this one quick shout out. Stop with the balloons. We have to get rid of balloons. Mark and I go out to Catalina and All last the, Especially year, the Mylar. Mylar really balloons. Uh, 25 of them we picked up last, uh, right after Valentine's Day between Marina del Rey and Catalina, which is I think 30 miles yeah. narrow trajectory. Like we got to stop. Plastic, single use, balloons. Like, And by the way, no girl has ever thrown her underpants at a dude because he got her a balloon. So don't think that's going to happen, guys. Oh, now you tell Get me. more creative. Is that what I've been doing wrong? <laughs> that's what you've been I've doing I've been going wrong. the balloon route this whole time. Go name a shark after her. That's that's <laughs> that's underpants throwing worthy. Right. We didn't talk about your shark uh, organization. Shark Allies, yeah. And... Uh, Give a plug to that and and what you do for them. So Shark Allies is a nonprofit I've been working with for about eight years. Right now, we are actually in the midst of a fierce battle in Florida to stop the sale and trade of shark fins. So Stephanie Brendel, our founder, is there. People don't realize that this is a problem in the United States. We're like, oh, no, it's all just the Asian countries. Yeah, it's all going to Asia, 99.9% of it, but it passes through our ports. And Florida is the biggest offender right now. So we are trying. We have two bills introduced. We are fighting that battle right now sharkallies.com is our website people can go they can sign you know the petition which is actually a big deal not like most petitions out there it's actually being brought into committee meetings to show that people care we have people writing letters on our behalf and what we do is we basically do ocean conservation and sharks in particular because they are the underdog in everything and like the hundred movies that have been made with sharks they're always the bad guy yeah and you know the 99% of their populations have been decimated in the last 20 years or whatever 70 to 100 million sharks a year are killed and mostly for shark fin soup. I see the signs when I go through Asia stuff of shark fin soup. It kills me. And you know, culture. And then seeing whale in Japan and I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can't. And you know, look, I I understand I'm a meat eater. People, and you always hear people say, that's my point. And anytime I post about it, People get mad and they go, what about the cows and the pork? I'm like, that's a separate issue. And absolutely humane treatment of animals is a big deal. But when you're talking about populations that we have totally decimated and many of them endangered, that's that's another story. And that's something we have to stop. Yeah, I'm not using rhino horn. No, no. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, because it actually doesn't do anything. You might as well chew your nails. Yeah. Yeah, It's the same Uh, thing. Rhino horn, pangolin scales. That's another big one right now. Tiger, tiger parts, sun bear gallbladder. You know, it makes you fierce, gives you man powers, and yeah, cures. I, I no, used tequila doesn't. for that. De- yeah, what, can we just can fierce, we? Just, yeah, what, I have a drug for you. Tequila. We can save. We can save an animal, and there's an agave plant. We'll give you those big muscles. I got something for uh, yeah. you: tequila and aspirin. Yeah, there, there you go. You, done. There, there's your pain. And there might even be your erection. You, 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 you don't never know. know. You yeah, don't know. Will, will you save the rhino, please? Please. Uh, <laughs> That's the campaign we need to put save out. Save the rhino. There's a blue pill. <laughs> Take care of you. Uh, um, <gasps> Viagra should jump on that. Have they? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to talk to have them. Have a pill. Save a rhino. Why have they not done that as a marketing camp? I'm going to contact them later today. The, they have to do it in Chinese. That's yeah. The, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, this is good. Okay, finally, let's wrap this up. I'm glad we could finally do this. Me too. It's been like, you know, we know a hundred of the same people, at least. Yeah, so including glad, our agents. Funny. Yes, I'm glad we finally uh, got a chance to meet. But what do you think, all this travel and seeing what you've seen around the world, uh, how has it changed you and how has it changed the way you maybe look at the world and deal with other people? 
That is a great question. Again, I would say that the way it's changed the way I look at the world, it's an it's an absolute perspective shifter. You know, we live in Los Angeles. We live, we work in the entertainment industry. It carries with it a lot of baggage and it makes a lot of things seem important that truly aren't. And I am a big believer that living simply and impacting this planet as little as you possibly can and just being kind being a good, decent human being is invaluable. And as far as humans, you know, look, we, one, one other thing when it pertains to the environment, we protect what we love and we protect what we know. So getting people out in the water with sharks or getting them in the mountains, you know, to see the big trees, getting them out in Rwanda with the gorillas, whatever it is, people, when they have an experience with something, tend to gravitate towards wanting to help it. And I think that goes for people too. There's a sense of kindness and a sense of attachment to people who you've met and you've been around. You know, we don't look at someone like, oh, you're from a different country, you have nothing to do with me. You're from a different race, you have nothing to do with me. Yeah, we're all the same. We're all the same. Makes it harder to bomb people. Yeah, it makes it there. (laughs) The bottom line is it makes it harder to bomb people. Yeah, when you've eaten with them and, you know, been to their houses. That's really well said, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Lots of fun. That's Kinga Phillips, everybody. Look for her on TV and at an ocean near you. An ocean near you. (laughs) (laughs) Coming soon to an ocean near you. Near the bear poops. (laughs) In the woods. Thanks. in my mind where I go time to time